This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MQ1 Podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. As always, I'm one of your three co-hosts, Liam Connolly. Uh, alongside me today is another co-host, Ross Duffy. Ross, how you doing? Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Cheers for Dalt for last week, uh, filling in for me. Yeah, I just can't wait to get stuck into it. Yeah, definitely. And alongside us is the other co-host of the podcast, Joe Freeze. Joe, how are you? Yeah, yeah, all good. Not bad, thank you. Can't complain. Um, yeah, just uh, feels weird not having a midweek game after you know we've been back back to football. It's everything we've been thrown right into the thick of it. So it's a quite a quiet weekend. Okay, Don's for a change. Yeah, kind of glad to be honest. Uh, midweek games are a bit of a pain to be honest, especially now that you know we're all a bit busier as well. It's uh, it's really awkward trying to record stuff for them. But yeah, I was at the Brentford game last night. Did have another one of the ninety-two, so that was decent. Uh, I thought Forest Green were actually going to do the job in the end, but uh, and Buemo came on and you know changed the game pretty much. So that was decent, but yeah, looking forward to getting back to Don's on Saturday when they play uh, Action Stanley, who are doing pretty well themselves, which we'll uh, touch upon later on in the episode. But first of all, we've got a game review from the weekend. Uh, it switch away, uh, interesting game on the whole. Two uh, two it finished. Uh, Macaulay Bond with two pretty good goals to be honest. The first one, especially, absolutely terrific finish, uh, which defending wise from us wasn't particularly the best. Um, but alternatively, Scott Swine did us some favours of an excellent free kick, as typically does. You know, two free kick goals for two away games now. And Matt O'Reilly, Avengers Demons from Portland Road last season, of course, he had a few chances from that game on the behind closed, behind closed doors, one that finished nil nil. He tucked it away, capitalising on some dodgy defending. And yeah, got us a point on the road, which uh, I believe we all would have took if yeah they offered it to offered it to us before Saturday. So I'm sure there won't be too many complaints from us lot, but I'll ask you guys anyway. So um, Ross, unfortunately, you weren't at Portman Road, but uh, give us your thoughts on the game from your understanding of it all. Yeah, I just wanted to touch upon firstly the out of obviously Charlton, Sunderland, and Ipswich. 
I think taking four points out of the potential nine, and we're gutted that obviously we should have got probably more against Sunderland, and arguably we should have got the three the three points against Ipswich. Um, I think it's actually a really good good set of um, points coming from those set, set of fixtures, considering obviously circumstances, obviously Russ um, leaving and then obviously Ian Manning coming in. He hasn't really had the full week of training with the, the lads yet. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the point, obviously, against Ipswich. Um, you obviously highlighted that, uh, obviously, Twine and O'Reilly brought the good time. But um, I think overall... Um, from by the sounds of it, it sounds like we we create the chances. Um, it just we weren't putting them in the back of the net. But at the same time, um, when we needed to take a chance, we took the chance. So it's one of those games. Um, yeah, on another day we could have took the three points, but I'm just glad we got the point, especially at Port Portman Road. I mean, like myself, Joe, you were at Portman Road on Saturday. Uh, fortunately, one of the 501 fans, I think, we took in the end. Um, so how did you find Saturday for yourself? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was quite a weird one. You, you take a, you know, you reduce the home team uh, who are favourites uh, to win the league. You reduce their fans to booing at the full-time whistle. And the players are going around to, to thank the fans. And they're looking absolutely gutted, some of them. Um, and I think that's the exact attitude we want them to have. Um, I thought Matt O'Reilly's interview was absolutely brilliant after. Just the attitude of the guy was, you know, just saying, do you know what it's? You know, we should, it's. I think it's a good sign that we're really annoyed that we've not won that game. And you know, normally you say, you know what, you, you dust yourself down and you say, yeah, a point, a point away from home is good. Can't complain. But actually, we, we we did enough to win that. I think, and the you know, I'm sure we'll come on to it. But the goals we did concede, they weren't necessarily, you know, we weren't. It weren't as if we were being torn apart and outplayed. It was just you know, just that lapse in concentration. Um, and 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 also the quality of Ipswich coming through in certain instances. Um, but as an actual team, yeah, we 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 were dominating that game, and that's and that's not in possession. That's in shots as well, um, set pieces. It's just every every facet of the game. Um, so yeah, just a real shame. Um, you know, a real shame, but a great point looking back on it. But you know, if we're putting those performances in week in, week out, then uh, we'll certainly win more than we uh, draw or lose. Yeah, definitely. And, and a key component to that performance who was spoken about a lot already uh, was Matty O'Reilly. You know, we tweeted out on the pod account some stats from that game in particular. Of course, alongside the goal that he scored to make it 2-2 and gain us that point. Uh, the free key passed on the day. I mean, he carried the ball, it had 100% success rate of that with three out of three successful dribbles. Uh, 87.5% pass accuracy on a day, which I believe was from about 80 passes, so pretty decent. Um, 10 out of 13 long balls that went to a Don's player in the end, and even the ground drills, which is something that we criticised Matt O'Reilly of in the past, in the last season. He won nine out of, I think it was 12 in the end of them. So, you know, you see stats like that, Ross. I think it, and of course, the post-match interview, which Joe referenced, it kind of shows you how good Matt O'Reilly was in the day. And you know, even um, Cal in the interview him said it's probably his best performance to Don's shirt we've seen. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it might surprise a few people. I'm saying this, but I, I, do, I don't believe that he was poor last season. I think I think it was just because of other individuals like Scott Fraser were probably taking the spotlight as such. And um, yeah, it's it's 
in today's game, if you're scoring goals and assists, of course you deserve all the plaudits. But Matty O'Reilly, he was doing the other ga- other side of the game, and that's the hard work, the work rate, and um, he's, he was basically the glue of the team as such, and um, he was making everything tick along um, nice. And um, I think he's he's been asked to obviously step up with obviously Fraser departing um, to Ipswich, and he's really starting to step up. And I think it just shows how mature and professional he actually is as a footballer, considering he's only 20 years of age and he's already took the captain's armband, especially against Bolton. And uh, as I say, he stepped up and he's starting to show it on a consistent basis also now. So it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of months. Um, Obviously, I know the transfer window hasn't closed yet, but I can't see anyone taking them off our hands. Um, obviously, Don't say that, Ross. History with uh, <laughs> injuries. Um, touch wood. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do feel like his uh, value is going up and up each game he plays, for sure. Yeah, and Joe, with Matt Arrow this season, of course, as Ross mentioned with Scott Fraser was hard on last year, he played both his tens uh, in the midfield, whereas this season he's played a bit deeper, obviously, from Robson in a change formation. How how much do you think his role has actually changed from you know, that time looking into this season? And he's blended into it quite well, hasn't he? If, even if it has changed, I think massively. I think um, you know the position he's playing now is much more of a sort of box to box role, whereas before he did have his um, you know attack. He did have his defensive responsibilities, but a lot of the time he'd be you know he'd be looking to get receive the ball from someone like Sermon or McEachran, and um, I think, you know, with his back to goal, whereas now he's receiving the ball in deep areas and he's just dictating the play, which you mentioned about his long balls completed stat. And to me, that for a while I was at the game and it was it was switches of play where we'd have acres of space and then he'd switch to play. And he was popping up on either side, you know, just looking at his um, his touch map, he, he covered pretty much like up both sides of the, of the pitch. And... Um, one thing as well, just I wanted to mention, it's a bit, a bit more of a broader point, but in terms of, I just think we look a lot more dangerous this season and we're not necessarily keeping the ball as much as we were. But when you look at, you know, last season, you think when we were having hundreds and hundreds of passes every game, it was Warren O'Hora, it was Harry Darling, and it was Dean Lewington who had the majority of those passes. If you look at actual, actually Matt O'Reilly, and Ethan Robson, they both had 70 passes completed, whereas Warren O'Hara had 40 and Harry Darling had 57. So that's a shift from last season in the fact that actually it's our midfielders who are playing the majority of the passes. And they're the people that can impact the game, that have the technical quality. You know, it's all good and well, you know, retaining the ball, which we retain the ball excellently under us. But this season, there just seems not a directness, but it seems that there's more play in the middle of the pitch, which is where the people that have the highest quality, such as Matt O'Reilly, can actually make more of an influence on the game rather than maybe, you know, picking the ball up with their back to goal and two defenders bearing down on them. Now Matt O'Reilly's receiving it deep, able to drive forward, and then, you know, and then the movement ahead of him is absolutely sublime in Twine, Parrot and Isa. So, you know, um, I think Matt O'Reilly, he had, um, he had three shots at the weekend. He had, uh, three tackles made and he also made three dribbles so it just shows you that he's doing literally a bit of everything and as well as that you can see him at set pieces he's um, 
he's he's shouting at people. He's organising the team. So even <clears throat> even though he hasn't got necessarily got that armband on, you can tell he's a real leader on that pitch. And uh, it's just yeah, great to see. And I remember saying um, when he came in that you know we'd heard good things about this guy and he could he be someone that could potentially you know rival Fraser and. I think he's doing a slightly different role, but I think the team as a whole is a lot more well-rounded. Um, so long may it continue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he played that he did on Saturday every week, but the L will go a long way. Um, it's funny that we meant, I mentioned this next point uh, because obviously scoring two goals, you, you struggle to think that we're missing a final touch going forward, but Liam Mannon brought it up in his interview in terms of you know having of course many chances in the game and of course for disappointed with coming away with only a point at Portman Road. But I think from being at the game myself on Saturday, as you were, Joe, it it felt at times that, that that was very evident. You know, Troy Powell had a really good chance in the first half, which he skied. Of course, the Josh Martin chance, which was about what's 10 seconds or something to go. If he had put that away, that would have been different. So it, it does feel like in a way that, you know, there is still some small little issues to deal with going forward. And as I mentioned, it does seem a bit silly to say that once you've scored two goals against arguably one of the best teams in the league, at least on paper, at very, very, very least. So, I mean, Ross, from, from an outsider's perspective, obviously you weren't at the game, but it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this. Do you agree with Liam Manning in terms of the final touch points or do you think it's, you know, a bit overdramatic in terms of what you said? Um, I think... I'm a bit 50-50 with it because of obviously that final touch comes up come comes along with like match sharpness and obviously what we're two, three weeks into the season and obviously yeah, we we had eight shots on target on Saturday, but we scored two goals and away from home, if you're scoring two goals, you should be taking a point or even more. Um and you question the back line more than anything in my eyes. Um but as you say, when you when you come in to likes, obviously your Sunderland, your Ipswich, your Portsmouth, the big big boys of your league as such, um, and the way we dominated them um, by the sounds of it, we I feel felt we deserved obviously more than what we got. And just elaborating on your point of the final touch, I don't feel like it's something to worry about because of what we scored three against Bolton, we scored one against Sunderland. So that's not the problem going forward. Obviously, we just need to cut out the lapse of concentration at the back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from from a Joe's points on the chance creation, certainly not getting the chances to problem is, of course, uh, putting them away. And obviously, Joe, myself and you have got a bit of a different perspective on it, but I'll let you take it away in terms of your thoughts. Are you in agreement with Ross in terms of you know, not needing to panic on it? And, you know, could you see it improving very quickly? Yeah, well, uh, as Ross said, we had eight shots on target. Their keeper made six saves. Um, and as well as that, we then also hit the woodwork twice. Um, and I think we're creating the chances more often because, as I said, you know, with this season, it seems as though there's a real emphasis on playing nice football, but it's the midfielders and the wingbacks that are playing the nice football, not the defenders. And I think this has resulted in us, uh, and I think I can think of three goals off the top of my head, where we've we've turned the team over high up the pitch and within three or four passes, that's it. We it's done and we've and and we've we've scored. I think it was um, Bolton Moise's goal, um, the goal against Charlton. We tack uh, there was a tackle and then ball was played through to Parrot, 
And then thirdly, the pressure that was put on Wolfenden, who then gave the ball away for Matt O'Reilly on um, Saturday. So I think, yeah, attacking-wise, we've changed it up and I think we're looking so much more threatening. I mean, we had nearly, we had just under 20 shots at the favourites to win the league. Um, and I think it's, you know, you look at Ike Moise, he's barely played last season. Um, he came fairly late into pre-season. So I think he'll just take a little bit of time. Troy Parrott looks sharp as anything, but I think he's, after three games in seven days on Saturday, he, he just run himself into the ground. Um, but, you know, that boy can finish. So I wouldn't worry too much on that on that front. Um, and then I think it's maybe maybe from in terms of the wing backs because I think Zach Jules actually had a really good chance towards the end. Um, yeah. Now you know if, if it was Matt O'Reilly on the end of that, you know you maybe would be sitting here saying what a great three points. However, you know it's that it's sometimes we spoke about this last season. Sometimes with this way we play, you're going to have your wing backs or your full backs. You know they're going to be the ones on the end of these chances. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. And on the on the, you know, Ross is bang on. I think we scored the joint most goals in the league. However, we've um, conceded the joint most also. Um, so on that on that front, um, I think I think it's something like that. Anyway, we're we're certainly up there on t- in terms of both scored and conceded. And you think of a lot of the goals we conceded. You know, the one against uh, against Bolton, about, uh, one of them was giving the ball away cheaply, uh, an excellent free kick goal. And then a poor bit of goalkeeping from a corner against Sunderland, you know, really unlucky. Get a good touch to a cross, and it gets bundled in. And the other one, poor defending. Everyone just stops. Um, against Charlton, it was you know just poor defending from a set piece. And then Ipswich, one mo- one bit of quality and one just uh, misjudging a 50-50. So for me, it's easier to it's it's those things that need to be solved more quickly because if you if you don't concede a single goal you're getting at least a point so I think we need to sort that side out and whether or not it's personnel or maybe a system maybe we're being a bit too open I don't know but it's it's not as if we've been torn apart and and we're facing 20 30 you know 20 25 shots from a team it's teams are you know they're getting a couple of chances and they're taking them but but we're we're, we're kind of gifting them those chances, I think. By the way, the way I the way I saw you describe that, Joe, it, it sounds very mental in terms of how the, what the problem is. It's in the players' mindsets, maybe in terms of concentration. Because as you say, I think I think the structure on the whole is okay. Obviously, the wing back situation, you know, that that's just been an issue from the start. Obviously, Dan Harvey going down with concussion isn't ideal. Um, and of course, the right wing back position has been chopping and changing since the season started really but I think aside from that the team's fairly it's remained the same pretty much so I think I think personal wise it's not an issue so maybe it's maybe it is just a player as you said of taking the time to as well as going forward you know they seem to be able to score goals but at the same time you know pick up their duties going back as you mentioned and, and maybe it is just down to their the mental side of the game and then spending the time in the film room on the training ground which to be fair they had what three training sessions so far with the full first team so maybe that's this this full week they've got leading up to Accrington we might see that change that we probably have maybe suspected to see a few days a few games ago sorry if uh, Manny had the time on the training pitch to which players are picking up their roles a bit better yeah and um, yeah we see less goals conceded basically 
also just a quick note just to just to add on that you know you, you mentioned about roles be you know and working on it but we've had a couple of different wing people at wing backs one game it's been Baldwin the next game it's been uh, Tanai Watson and then on the left hand side we've had Harvey play there we've had Jules play there and then we've also had three keepers behind them so yeah, you know we, yeah. we mentioned about how much more confident the players looked with Fish on the ball when Fish was in the net so I think it's just 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 give it a few weeks and then we'll see but um I'm not I'm not getting too concerned about it <clears throat> about it now because I'd be concerned if teams are having 20 shots against us and are saying god we scored two but we really should have scored four or five you know teams are, 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 then I'd be concerned but at the moment I think Sunderland had like seven shots against us and they scored two of them um, so it's just it's, it's that sort of thing where if it carries on it will be, become a problem but right now I'm not it's not a long-term something I'm concerned about, but I think it's something we definitely need to just, just look at. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I mean, Ipswich probably should have scored four of the weekend so for some of the chances they had, but I get, I guess you get your point. Um, okay, I suppose, let's well, touch on Scott Twine, that's why not? I mean, it's Scott Twine doing Scott Twine things, basically. Uh, two away games in League One, and he scored two free kicks. They're both from outside the box, absolute peaches, both of them. Uh, the way he went mental for the, is the one against Ipswich. Um, Ross, obviously, we all know the quality of Twine, but how good is it to see him step up to the Scott Fraser quote-unquote replacement role? I, th- I think you've kind of nailed it there. Obviously, we we were all gutted when Fraser left, uh, obviously, um, for more money, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, when Scott Twine w- um, was brought in, he wasn't as a replacement because I, I believe he got brought in before we sold Fraser. So yeah, of course, but, in, but you know, he, he, went, he went on up, to be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, he went on to be that, and obviously, he's been he's been uh, obviously our player of the season so far. Obviously, um, the free kick, yes, it's dodgy goalkeeping, fair enough, but he's been consistently getting them on target at the end of the day, and if he's doing that, he's making the keeper work and. It, it it creates the um, errors, so um, it's just scary. Obviously, with it being so, what three weeks into the season, he's only going to get better. And um, yeah, it's an absolute joy to watch him at the moment, and I'm hoping it carries on. Yeah, and Joe, obviously, you mentioned about how the midfielders have seen a lot more of the ball uh, compared to defenders last season under uh, the previous gaffer. Do you think the main beneficiary of that is Scott Twine in terms of the the amount of touches he does see in the key areas of the pitch yeah and uh, so I don't mean to to be mean Ross but I kind of disagree about what you're saying in terms of he's almost replacing Scott Fraser because I think he's playing a lot further forward than what Scott Fraser did because of um of, of because of how we're playing at the moment I think he's playing much more centrally and he's he's cutting in on and he, he's really making an impact so he only actually completed 25 passes um, at the weekend and five of them actually resulted in someone, a teammate having a shot. Um, and I think that that sort of, those sorts of um, influences, like he, he's not, he, he was getting the ball, he wasn't getting the ball as much as say Scott Fraser might in a match and he wasn't doing necessarily as much uh, defensive work as Scott Fraser would be doing. But when he was getting the ball, it was, he was taking risks. He actually lost possession 21 times, but he completed 25 passes he had five shots and he and he had and he set up five shots. He set up five shots himself. So to me, that's just showing 
that even, you know, take away his set-piece ability. He's just someone that's trying to make things happen. And we saw his through ball for, what was it? It was, uh, was it Troy Parrott's goal on Tuesday last week? Yes, yeah. Yeah, you, you can just see, like, he just gets the ball and his first thought is just get it forward. And I think that's that sort of killer instinct is something we've kind of missed. And it's, um, yeah, and, and like you say, this is a team where he's, he's going to be seeing maybe a bit more of the ball in those attacking areas than other, perhaps at other teams. Um, you know, if you look at Scott Fraser on the other side of the pitch, Scott Fraser only completed 11 passes in the whole game. So, you know, I think it, uh, yeah. So, yeah, happy days. And I, I, it's a shame. Maybe, maybe this season we'll get one of them screamers from open play. But uh, he wasn't far off with a couple of them. Although yeah, the yeah. halfway line shot was a tad ambitious, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I'm looking at Scott Fraser's heat map from last season for us, and admittedly, yes, he was tracking back a lot more. His role was a bit more expansive compared to what Twine is, in my opinion. But you know, I, I think I think Ross is right in saying that they they do play in similar areas of the pitch. Um, and looking at just the touch map that I'm seeing now, it's 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 fairly similar. Of course, Fraser's a bit more on the left than Twine is because of where he played in the team, but. On the whole, it's fairly similar, Joe. To be honest, like, I think. Well, I think I think Fraser's role was made. A lot of it was around retaining possession. Yeah. Because you didn't. Because I think. Uh, do you remember the Doncaster game when he got subbed off? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah he got Rossville, And that yeah. game, that game, he he made a few. Like he got the ball and he just made a few early like passes, and I think that was the reason he came because everyone was thinking about injury injury, but. It was, I think it was because of, you know, like he, he, he was, he went almost went rogue in the way and just started playing a couple of passes that maybe Russ wouldn't want him to do. But with Scott Twine, it's those early balls that creates the goal against, get creates the goal against Charlton. It's those early balls that actually, you know, he's, they set up five shots against a, a team like Kipswich. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a good contrast to what we had. But yes, similar areas, I guess. Yeah. It could be different, slightly different tweaks in the system as well. Man and Mike definitely, have yeah. told him to do that. So definitely, play with oh, purpose. Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. Okay, that wraps up our eight switch review. I'll take a short little break, and then we'll look ahead to Act Stanley at K on Saturday. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub One Hundred. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, on to Saturday in action, Stanley at home. A team that's uh, started surprisingly well, but at the same time haven't really had a big test yet in terms of who they've played, maybe besides Wickham. But I'm sure Joe will inform us a lot more on how action Stanley has started. So Joe, take us away. Yeah, thanks, Liam. Um, so, Accrington Stanley, I think just in terms of the biggest compliment you could give them is that in the last few years, you know, you may, people may have uh, fell into the trap of thinking, oh, they're a small club, they're, they should be a walkover. But I think in the last few years now, people have realised that whenever you do play Accrington, it's going to be a tough game. And, uh, you know, to get a win, you're going to have to work hard and uh, it, it's, it's not a given at all. And I think that's all down to the main man in charge, John Coleman. He's done. He's been there for. I think he must must be up there with one of the longest serving in the in the EFL, if not the longest serving. 
and every year they're just just gradually and gradually just just those little improvements but it all makes a difference and yeah so what a job he's done and uh, just reflecting back on their summer um, they did have one notable departure in uh, Cameron Burgess uh, centre-back who's gone to uh, Ipswich and they also had um, loan keeper Nathan Baxter who who left but they've uh, replaced him with James Trafford a uh, goalkeeper from Man City and by all accounts he's um, he's looking like a real top goalkeeper um, and uh, they've also got in another notable one uh, in Harry Pell uh, from from um, Colchester always been one of their better players to be fair and he's finally taken the step up and seems seems like he's uh, slotted in quite nicely in terms of their start they um, they actually lost their first game of the season to Wickham um, which is you know there's no shame in that um, but they, you know they did run them close it was 2-1 to Wickham in the end um, since then, they've uh, they've beaten Cambridge, Doncaster, and Crew. So you know, as Liam said, they're maybe not the best opposition, but you know, you've got to you've got to play every team in the league, and if you're putting them away, then you're doing something right. One thing to note from this season is um, every single game they've been involved in, whether they've won or lost, there's only been one goal in it. There's they've been involved in two two ones and and two one nils, which just shows me that. The way they play, it's going to be tight and they're not going to run away and smash teams. But, you know, you won't be smashing Accrington Stanley either. It's going to be tight. There's going to be tons of battles and duels. And, uh, you know, it, whoever wins, it's it's going to be a slog. Um, I think in, in terms of um, the style of play, they play 3-5-2, um, uh, same, as, same as they did last year uh, with... Uh, Dion Charles, uh, who Ross is going to be mentioning in a bit, and Colby Bishop up top. So uh, a real handful for, for any defence in the league. Um, they love to attack down the wings. And we saw that, um, especially at their place, I think it was Tariq Awakwe um, on loan from Chelsea. He he just was spamming the crosses in the box and and and, and, it, and it worked. So what, why not? And um, down the left at the moment, they've got Sean McConville, who's, who's been there a while, um, but he's, he's recently start to recapture some of the form which he's shown previously um so so that's the one to watch out for on that left hand side um they're they're strong at set pieces and you know they're going to be competing for a lot of aerial duels and going long so that's just something we need to be aware of um and i think it i think they're going to look to frustrate us they've uh They've had a 13 yellows already in their first four games of the season. So it just shows you that they're not afraid to get stuck in. They're not afraid to do the dirty side of the game. So, you know, to, 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 to even um, just draw the game, you've got to match that as a minimum. You've got to be prepared to put a shift in. Um, in terms of the goals they scored this season, they've, um, they've scored five goals. They've only actually scored two goals from open play and then two from set pieces. And the other one was an own goal. Um, and just a quick note, MK. Um, the Dons have actually we've scored um, five from open play already this season, and we've actually scored three from set plays, which I believe is the joint best in the in the division. So I'd like to hope that that is something we've been working on because we were right up there for goals in open play last season, but we're absolutely hopeless from set plays. So if we can just add that extra, you know, ten percent to our game, then it will make a difference. Sadly, and not a walkover by any stretch of imagination. I think they'll be solid again after their mid-table finish last season. Um, and and they've got two of two, you know, one of the best strike partnerships in the league in terms of a the chemistry. They're a real handful, and uh, whoever wins is is going to have had to have had a real put a real shift in. And uh, I think it'll be a very frustrating watch at times on Saturday, um, 
but I, you know, I think uh, as always, if we play well, then we've got more than enough to win the game. Yeah, thanks, that Joe. And um, it comes across that way by the amount of yellow cards. And I think tonight Watson could have an interesting game going against Beconville on that wing, especially with uh, you know, some of the defending on Saturday's hits, which where you know he could like him to you know dive in a bit more and be a bit more brave in terms of his decision making. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But hopefully, uh, that does become the case on Saturday. Um, Ross, obviously, Joe hinted to you mentioning Dion Charles. Why don't you take it away and uh, give us some information on him? Yeah, Joe mentioned about the um, partnership of Dion Charles and Colby Bishop. Um, Last season, I believe they scored nearly 30 goals between them um, in League One last season. So they are prolific um, boys up top. Um, But I'm focusing on Dion Charles. Obviously, he scored 19 last year. um, And he scored in both meetings last um, season also, um, scoring one at Stadium MK and then two at the Crown Stadium. Um, and I, I believe this is going to be a key battle, obviously, this Saturday. I know um, Darlin and O'Hora, uh, especially O'Hora, struggled with, um, against Ipswich. Um, I know, obviously, it resulted in a goal, the physical battle. So it'll be interesting to see how he um, matches alongside, obviously, Dion Charles. And um, I, I do believe that this battle um, decides the game. And um, it'll be interesting to see how, how we deal with him. Yeah, I mean, obviously looking at actually leading up to the podcast and obviously they played last night against Oldham Athletic and it was a nil-nil in the end, but they went to penalties and the manager was pretty critical of their performance. You know, he's criticising the players over lack of fitness, saying how they should, you know, they shouldn't be cramping up, you know, this early in the season. And it, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the interview, it's about a five minute long interview on the Actors and the uh, Twitter account, but it's a pretty damning assessment on the team. So, Joe, coming into... Coming from that game, coming into Saturday, going to Milton Keynes, do you think do you think John Coleman does that a bit of a tactical, a tactical now from Coleman in terms of trying to get his players fired up for this one and what'll be a pretty tough game for them mentally and physically? I hope not. <laughs> um, um yeah, I'm just um I think um yeah, sometimes it can be, you know, sometimes you're looking for a reaction from your players and uh, just actually looking at the lineup. Uh, that they played, it was a very strong lineup against that Oldham team. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't expect too many changes from that team. So, he, I, I'd imagine he'd be something saying something, you know, along along the lines of right, put put that performance from Tuesday right, uh, it, you know, it, basically, and and say, you, you know, you know, show us what you can do because on Tuesday that just wasn't good enough. And I think that's the thing with Accrington. They, they are always capable of putting in that extraordinary performance. And I think that John Coleman, he must be doing something right to keep motivating the group of players after he's been there for so long. You know, it's very rare in football nowadays. So, yeah, I, I think um, maybe it could it could be something that, that plays into their hands. But at the same time, Liam Manning will be saying, well, you've, you've gone to the favourites to, uh, to win promotion and... Uh, You've taken them all the way, and you've come gutted, come away gutted that you haven't won. Let's use that and and we'll make sure we win this one. So, yeah, I think um, both teams have got a lot to play for. Obviously, it's early in the season, um, so yeah, I think um, both teams will be raring to go. For, so, hopefully, it makes for a good game. Yeah, hopefully that's the case, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we all be all three of us there, nice and early to catch the action. Um, make sure you do your lineups for Fan Hub as usual. Uh, as always, you know we're one of the most back clubs on the app in general. Uh, he, he hit the likes, you know, Birmingham and Sunderland, which 
considering the sort of fan bases they have and the attendances they get every week, you know, it's pretty good on our end. So make sure you do those. Make sure you check in at the stadium if you're there on Saturday. And uh, yeah, get the leaderboards, appreciate us at the leaderboards. And um, yeah, check out all the content over there. Um, we, as always, have submitted our lineups ready for Saturday. Um, so, Ross, what's your lineup looking like for Don's wise play Acton on Saturday? Yeah, so I've gone with obviously Fisher in goal. Um, and then I've gone with the back three of O'Hora, Darling, Louie. I don't feel like you can change that back, back line. I know um, they just need time. And I know um, last season we struggled with it and we persisted with it and eventually it came out to be the back three we actually needed and we started to get clean sheets. And I think it's exactly the same. Louis, Matt Sharpness, he needs it at the end of the day. He's like everyone else. Um, so I, I think that will be the back three. And then obviously um, I've gone with Watson and Harvey. I I really do like Jules at, at that wing-back role, but Harvey's a different kettle of fish to me. I, I personally believe um, his final ball is so much better than everyone else's, um, especially in that role. And I, I do believe Harvey loves, and we were, well, especially against Bolton, um, he was really having loads of joy down that wing. So it'd be interesting to see whether um, he actually does start against Aki. And then um, I've gone with Robson, um, Matty O'Reilly and Twine. Another three, you just can't drop at the moment. They're all in form. It'd be silly to uh, break that. And then I've gone with Parrot and Isa up top. Two players, again, more more time they play, the better they're going to get at the end of the day. Lovely stuff. Um, I've gone exactly the same, actually. I felt harsh dropping Jules to his performances. I feel he's played really well, but as you mentioned with Dan Harvey, you know, he's so good down the wing. And I think, you know, even league-wide stats show that Dan Harvey is one of the best creators in the league in terms of chances and getting forward. So I think if he is available to play, um, you know, you just you have to play him. And unfortunately, that means Jules is dropped. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, as you said, Ross Dean Lewington, you know, if once he gets the game time, he can bounce back from, you know, an unfortunate poor performance and one that isn't very common for him. Um, and yeah, aside from that, pretty much keeping the same as is. Um, you know, we played really well on Saturday, so not not much reason to change any of it unless it pops up on Friday. Obviously, we can't know that now because um, this is Wednesday we're recording this, but hopefully it, everyone's all clear. And then we can go into Acton or Stanley and hopefully get three points. So, Joe, finally to you, what's your lineup looking like for Saturday? Exactly the same. <laughs> I've, oh, um, wow. I've been, I, I kept going backwards and forwards on Dean Louis. I've actually, I started off with Jules, then I put Louis, then I put Jules, then I put Louis, and I've stuck with Louis because I, I, I think Louis was, he was a little bit off it, but he's not played in a, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not played in a little while. Um, the only thing I'd say is maybe Louis plays the Burton game to get a bit of fitness up, perhaps. Um, but I think Jules, you know, if, if, it's, if it's choice between Jules and Louis, I think especially with the aerial threat, I'd, I'd think I'd want Louis Naus in the middle because um, there's going to be two strikers going up them three and they're going to be buzzing around like anything. Um, so I think just for how they're going to want to play with those, you know, those long balls into the box, just, you know, just get the ball into the box and make things happen, cause problems, set pieces. I think... You just want that experienced head alongside Darling and uh, and was, um, I think yeah Harvey, I think he's he's a great wing back. 
Um, Ethan Robson, um, I, I think he's been good. I, the only thing I'd say is Josh McEachran is probably going to be nearing fitness soon. Not that Robson's done anything wrong, but is McEachran maybe a level above Robson, perhaps? Um, if if fully fit, maybe, maybe. So that's maybe just something to look out for in the coming weeks. But I'd probably say that McEachran is probably going to be playing that um, that Papa is it Papa John's now is it I think yes, it changes against every Burton, couple of months yeah. doesn't it yeah <laughs> the Papa John's trophy match uh, in front of a capacity crowd at Burton oh I'm no sure no doubt um, but yeah I think that that game would be quite good for the likes of maybe Josh Martin Josh McEachran just to get some minutes um, but I you know maybe if you ask me this in six weeks time I wouldn't be surprised if it's McEachran and O'Reilly that are starting in the middle together Lovely and everything stuff. else is the same yeah yeah so i say it's very hard to change the lineup from it especially it was so good um okay finally uh score predictions uh i've gone one nil to dons um as i think as joe said it, it's gonna be a very frustrating game to watch i feel it'd be very stop start a bit like uh the game was last night actually brent forest green that was stop start bloody hell um but yeah, listen, the, the action are a frustrating team to watch in general, but that's why they get results. That's where they are in the league at the moment. Um, very much in that playoff conversation early on. And, you know, if we can get a result here, um, definitely got the quality to do that. And I think, you know, we can nick a goal and hopefully, you know, sit on that and get the three points that Sadon can keep it here. Uh, so, Ross, what do you think is score-wise for Dons on Saturday? I do feel like we're going to concede a goal. I don't feel like that back line's ready for a clean sheet just yet. I'd like to be proven wrong. Um, I completely agree with you, Liam. It will be tight. It will be physical. Be everything we don't want it to be. But um, Accrington, as you say, are good at that. And yeah, I've gone with a 2-1 Don's victory. And uh, let's hope my bet secures even more with Waters. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he, he, Well, hopefully he'll be back soon. But yeah, I need him to be back for my sake. Not of your own new beers, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, Joe, have you got us? You got three, three out of ten to win to the Dons on our podcast. Oh, of course, yeah, of course, you've got to go for the win. And I've, um, I can basically just copy and paste what Ross just said. I think, um, I think he put it quite well when he said, "I don't think we're quite ready for a clean sheet yet." Um, you know, I think um, I'd love, I'd love for us to have a clean sheet, but I just think, you know, at the moment there's a lot of change going on. Um, a lot of, and I'm sure that the players are going to have a lot of new information buzzing around their heads. Um, and I just, I think once we just, we just need to get, you know, we're showing good signs, we're attacking well, but maybe just, I think as well, you know, Accrington have the quality. So it's not just a, a team that's going to frustrate you; they do have the quality to hurt you if you make mistakes as well. And um, you know, I'd love to say that we're going to not make mistakes, but we'll see. But yeah, 2-1 and uh, and that would be a phenomenal win if we, if we do win. Yeah, most definitely, especially on the league, that would be a great result. Okay, that rounds up the latest with MK1 podcast. As I mentioned, get on FanHub, make sure you check in, make sure you do your lineups. There's a big announcement coming later today when this is out on the Thursdays, so keep an eye out for that. And you want to be getting onto FanHub for sure once that's announced. Uh, I can't stand here, but I'll say to Jen, that's the recording. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening once again. Uh, and come on, you dons.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.